It's that time of year when we look forward to food, drink, and time with people we care about. It's also a time of year we might dread time with people we care about, because that time is filled with talking, and that talking might go in directions that cause conflict. And no, I'm not talking about debating who will win the big game or which movie you want to watch. While Thanksgiving 2016 was probably the most stressful in recent memory for family and friends with differing political views, the Thanksgiving of 2019 is likely to be a close second. Our question this episode: How can we come together when our views threaten to drive us apart? Welcome to episode 57 of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilow. Tis the season for good cheer and celebration, gifts and gratitude. These are all things that we anticipate, and sometimes we also anticipate not so happy feelings that come along with visiting with people we love but with whom we disagree. But it doesn't have to be stressful. We have more choice about the amount of stress we feel than we often realize. I'm going to offer you a handful of tips that I hope will be useful to you when it's time to gather around the table. I also want to share a story about what I'm grateful for this holiday season. So stick around for that after your call to action. I want to take a quick second to express my gratitude to you for joining me in this quest for more courageous conversations. Learning how to communicate with empathy, compassion, courage, and truth is a lifelong pursuit. We're only able to skim the surface of what is required here, but I hope that that skimming has made a difference in your life. If it has, I invite you to spread the word or share this podcast with friends, family, and colleagues who might find value in it. You can also give the podcast a boost through your ratings and reviews on whatever platform you listen to it through. And if everyone listening took just one minute or thirty seconds to rate, review, and share, we would make a huge contribution in encouraging more compassionate and thoughtful communication in the world. Thank you for considering my request. Let's get to the tips. I thought about suggestions that are easiest to put into practice and that might make the biggest difference. First, if you're preoccupied and dreading the potentially stressful conversations, let that preoccupation and dread go. When you take apart the word, to be preoccupied means that you are pre. Occupied, you're allowing a thought to take up space in your mind before it's even really a thing in real life, and that is tiring. But even more than that, the assumption that there will be stress actually causes stress. So check in with your own self-talk. It might sound like this is going to be hard. I don't think I could stand it. They're going to drive me crazy. What if they bring up? And insert your contentious topic of choice here. Notice that self-talk and repeat after me: I can handle whatever happens. I can handle whatever happens. Then let go of the assumptions and shift to acceptance. Yes, it's likely your buttons are going to get pushed, even if you all agree on politics, religion, money, or any other touchy topic. By accepting that it's probably inevitable and that there's a chance that the conflict might not even happen, you can still ease your mind by reminding yourself that you can handle whatever happens. 
but say that the inevitable does come to pass. Remember this: you don't have to respond to everything. You don't have to take the bait. This was a point that I made in the last episode, episode fifty-six, that was focused on social media, and it applies when you're talking to someone in person. You can listen or not, and you can choose not to respond. Even if someone is misstating the facts, you don't have to take it upon yourself to correct them. You kind of have to think about whether or not it's important, and. If it really does any harm for them to be stating what they're stating, you know, ask yourself which is more important: having a good relationship with them or being right. If you feel like the other person would be receptive to your perspective, and you feel like you can share it without attachment to being "quote unquote" right, then go ahead and engage. But remember, you always have the option to not respond. I was recently witness to this in action with my husband Andy, when I observed him listening to a close friend who was explaining a conspiracy theory that she totally believed, but I know that he thought was nuts. Not that she was nuts, but that the conspiracy was nuts. And I'll get to that point in just a minute. Andy just listened intently, didn't challenge her, and would say things like, "Hmm, I hadn't heard that," or "That's interesting." There was no judgment, no making her wrong, no trying to convince her of anything, and no imposing his own beliefs on her, because really there was no point. She wasn't sharing because she wanted her mind to be changed. She needed to share because she believed in what she was saying. So by just listening, Andy let her have some space to say her piece, and then the conversation moved on without any drama. Another way to decrease the chances of conflict is to agree as a group that certain topics are off limits during dinner. Maybe people want to talk one-on-one or in small groups at other points during the visit, but it's probably best to keep the dinner conversation focused on topics that reinforce the things you have in common. Kind of safe territory. It might sound contrived, but it might not be a bad idea to have a few questions ready for dinnertime conversation. For instance, if you're in a group that's a mixture of family and friends, or even if it's all one or the other, ask about everyone's favorite holiday dish when they were growing up, or their most memorable Thanksgiving, or their favorite movie from the past year, or and. I know, as I say this, that it's incredibly cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. Ask what they're most grateful for from the past year, and what they're looking forward to in 2020. Even if someone says that they look forward to someone's impeachment or someone's reelection, you can just listen and know that their wish is theirs, and it's okay if you don't share the sentiment. Just as you don't want your expression of gratitude challenged or made wrong, don't make theirs wrong. And this is the point I mentioned just a moment ago when I was talking about Andy and listening to the conspiracy theory. Separate the person from their perspective, at least during the visit. If we only see one another as a Republican, a Democrat, or any other label, we're cutting ourselves off from the complexity of that person. We are all so much more than who we vote for, or where we worship, or who we love. We are those things, and we are a thousand other things. This is a good time to remember that. Appreciate the other person for the whole of who they are. 
You don't have to agree with everything they believe in order to love them, just as they don't have to agree with all of your beliefs for them to love you. Love them because of, not in spite of, their complexity. And I invite you to feel a sense of gratitude that we're able to express that complexity and still coexist. And this final tip has less to do with how you interact with others and more about how to take care of yourself, which helps you when it does come time for that interaction. Don't feel like you have to be with everyone every minute of the visit. And this is definitely coming from the introvert in me. You can slip away for a breather, take a walk around the block, go into a spare bedroom for a moment of meditation, even hang out in the bathroom for an extra minute or two, just so that you can recenter yourself. Do whatever feels good before or after, or I should say before and after the gathering, to refresh your energy. And that might be a nap or getting some exercise, making sure you're eating something healthy, maybe to you know cancel out all of the sugar and fat you'll be eating in the meal meditating, or even spending time with pets. During the gathering, I invite you to monitor your alcohol intake if you tend to get tipsy easily. For most of us, the more we drink, the looser our tongues get, and that might lead to confrontations that won't be quite as easy to navigate if we aren't under the influence. Your call to action is to release any stories or assumptions you have about possible conflicts during the holidays. Even if past experience tells you that it might be stressful, entertain the possibility that the past doesn't necessarily dictate the future. Assume that you'll all be able to set aside your differences and enjoy one another's company without arguments or disappointments. You've gathered for fun, not for fights. It's not the time or place to try to convince Aunt Jane that she's wrong about who she voted for. Give Aunt Jane the gift of listening to her without judgment and being okay with her opinion being different from yours. I think that that is the greatest gift that we can give one another this holiday season. In closing, I want to take a moment to share gratitude for the young woman I've mentored this year. I shared this story on Facebook, and a friend asked me if it was in my podcast. So thank you, Cindy, for the idea to include it here. Twelve years ago this month, I said goodbye to my wonderful colleagues at Rotary Charities of Traverse City here in Michigan. And it was my favorite job ever. And it was really hard to say goodbye, but my husband and I decided to move to Tacoma. Before I left, the world's best boss, Marcia Smith, gave me the present of a mug. And not just any mug. It was the mug that I had been using for more than two years for my morning tea without knowing that it was Marcia's mug. (laughs) She gifted me temporary custody, asking that someday I pass it along to someone I'd mentored and believed in. I was really moved by that. First, I was embarrassed that I had been using her cup. And then I realized that um, this was a leadership lesson. And it's one that I've carried with me for the past 12 years. And I think I'll be carrying with me forever. This past week, I had the honor of passing along this story and the mentor mug to the amazing Lilia Howenstein. Lilia is about to graduate from GVSU, and I was her mentor through the Cook Leadership Academy Fellows Program. When we first met nine months ago, she told me that her goal was to work in Tokyo upon graduation. 
She didn't know how it was going to happen, but she was determined. The spring and the summer presented numerous challenges and setbacks, but Lilia kept pushing. She worked multiple jobs. She kept up with her studies. She drove hours every day between home, school, and work. She networked like crazy, and all this time she kept practicing her Japanese. And the result? Last month she was offered her first full-time job, and she starts February first in Tokyo. I am incredibly proud of her, and I am so honored to have supported her this year. And I was thrilled to pass along the mug that Marcia gave me, knowing it will travel around the world with Lilia and someday be passed on to a young person that she mentors. In the chaos of the world, at times when it feels like there's not really much good news, there are people who bring that good news, and certain people who just shine brightly. And Lilia is one of them. I am super excited for her and the incredible adventures that she has in store. And I'm grateful for what I learned from her about resilience, perseverance, and believing in your dreams. Every time she picked herself up and dusted herself off, she was one step closer to creating the life she had envisioned for herself. I hope I have that same stick-to-itiveness in the coming year. In fact, I wish that for all of us. Thanks, Lilia, for showing the way and for everything that you taught me. I wish each and every one of you here in the states a wonderful Thanksgiving, and listeners around the world know that I'm giving thanks for you this Thursday. If you'd like to connect or listen to past episodes, please visit howcanisaythis.com. And while you're there, you'll find a picture of me and Lilia with the mentor mug on the page for this episode. This is Beth Velo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This. Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Thank you.